0: It's the Chunk and Tony Show, it's the awesome Chunk and Tony Show, it's the Chunk and Tony Show, it's called Afternoon Yap, yeah. it's that right, it's the Chunk and Tony Show, it's the awesome Chunk and Tony Show, it's the Chunk and Tony Show, it's called Afternoon Yap, yeah. oh yeah! Hello and welcome to the 38th episode of the Afternoon Yap, I'm Chunk the Punk, and with me today is my co-host and author of the book Pride and Prejudice and Pasta Fajul, it's my good pal Tony. That's-a me! <laughs> On today's episode, we're going to discuss the news of the week in video games, Turok for the N64, and finally, a review for the new Ninja Theory game, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Tony Bologna? Yeah. How's your macaroni? Uh, Pretty good. Pretty
1: good. Um... Nice little weekend. How about yourself? Uh,
0: lovely weekend. The weather's finally nice. Yeah, it's
1: really nice. I like when it's not too hot outside. Too like hot I'm and asking. too
0: humid here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Uh, Tony, let's jump into it right now. We're okay. in the seventh season of the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite shows. However, I'm very fortunate that I have a smart wife because I'll watch a whole episode with her yeah. and she will basically explain to me what the hell is going on? It's it's even more confusing than the Lord of the Rings, do you agree? Uh yes, I would agree. Have you read the books? That's what I was going to that's what I was getting to. I know that you've read them because I've yeah. seen them at your house.
1: Yes, I have read them and I think it's the only series of books that I've read. I I am a uh, a voracious reader. Voracious. And I think that's the only books, series of books that I've ever had to make my own like uh, table like not table of contents, but key in the back cover so i could keep track of who everybody is and who's related to whom and what house they're from and what's their beef with this house so yeah it's pretty heavy the the show streams or slims a lot of that down but it can i could see how it could be confusing to someone of your intelligence i
0: I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or insult you or insult her in any way but you let me borrow ready player one yeah and i haven't gotten to it yet it doesn't surprise me and my wife who's your sister-in-law said I don't know if the guy's all that likable, but that SOB knows books. And she's like, I'm going to read it. Yeah. And <laughs> so, and unlike you, who I've been texting yeah. almost every day
1: with the sarcastic, how far are you in Ready Player One? Well, it was so funny when started. she said to you, he's not a reader. Like yeah. you were. No, I think, I think you, I think you named one book that you've read, like just one. <laughs> Heavier that came than heaven. Mind. It
0: was a bio- or like an auto or, or just a, a book about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, listen. This is you're going to win this quiz. I already know it, well, but now I feel like I've set myself up for failure. But let's give it a try. Do you want to take a Game of Thrones quiz? I do. All right. I took this from Zoo.com, added my own okay. little twists to it. Okay. Number one: Which of the following is not a family in the Game of Thrones? Okay. A. The Starks. B. The Tyrells. C. The Boltons. Or D. The Okay. <laughs> whatever the last one was, what did you say? The Pupfurians. Pupfurians.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that they are not a house in Game of Thrones. Ding, ding, ding. All right, it's starting
0: off easy. I like it. Who is Rob Stark's mother? Mm-hmm. Talisa Stark, Sansa Stark, Caitlyn Stark,
1: or D. Jurassic Stark? <laughs> Good one. No, uh, that would be Caitlyn Stark is his
0: mother. Absolutely right. Ding, ding, ding. Of Two for one, two hmm. for two for O. Oh. It's a twofer. Twofer. What does Tyrion murder his father with? A. Poison. B. Crossbow. C. Sword. Or D. The little people's elbow. <laughs> that would. Do you that get be, that joke? I
1: get it. Yeah. No. The the. <laughs> yeah. Help me it out. He's a little guy. Yeah, he's a little guy. Uh, that would be a crossbow. B. A crossbow.
0: Absolutely correct. Yeah. We're doing we're doing well. Well, I'm doing well. You're just reading the questions. Who is known as the Kingslayer? A, Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. B, Boy, I'm sizzling. <laughs> C, Doug Labertrouser. Mm. Or D, Easy Pickens. Boy, I'm sizzling. Yeah. No, that
1: would be uh, Jamie Stark, the Jay- Kingslayer. Jamie Lannister? I'm sorry, Lannister. Jamie Lannister. You know,
0: he started off as an unlikable dude. I love that dude. Yeah, he's extremely likable. Now, how does it work in the books? Because in the, in the show... They really make him pretty awful at the beginning of the series. Well, he is pretty awful in the series. Is it just cuz he's so handsome that I'm starting to really like him now or is he just I think it's when
1: he's like killing the king and then killing pushing that Bran off of the ledge of the building and trying to kill the He did kids.
0: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh Bran my god. Bran saw him <laughs> and Cersei getting
0: it on and he tried to murder him and it's he been tried to so him. long since i fu- saw the first season yeah and i remember the first time that i saw it my buddy said you got to watch the show yeah. and i turned it on and i watched the first episode and then i i just didn't like it and i think i it's just like the wire for me i watched the first the, the first episode maybe two or three times yeah until it finally clicked and then it was years later when i would like start really watching and then season two stunk of I, the wire, or no, no. I'm sorry. Of of Game of Thrones, I remember exactly. it was just all conversations and not really anything happened. Okay. And then I, it, when the show really like dug its claws into me was when Tyrion had his, uh, his day in court. Or do you know yes, what I'm talking yes. about? Uh, what was that season challenge?
1: Four? Challenge by combat. That or, was amazing. Uh, yeah. It's season
0: four. Um, we're going off on a tangent here. Yeah, a little bit. Who said this memorable line? You know nothing, Jon Snow. A, Daenerys Targaryen. No. B, Cersei Lannister. No.
1: C, Ygritte. Yes. Or
0: D, Sir Pudding of Pop. <laughs> that would be Ygritte. She was beautiful. Uh, if, you, if Yeah, she was all right. She for a wildling. She was all I, right. I'm not a big fan of redheads, but yeah. I remember being pretty attracted to that She's lady. She's no
1: Cersei, but she, I...
0: Cersei... Actually, the actress is quite beautiful. She looks real bad this season. Or uh, that is not a sharp pair. She's oh, well, she's, yeah. I mean, she's ahead. been
1: through. She's been through some things. What was um, Marjorie? Marjorie, the queen, the queen that was married to uh, Tommen.
0: Oh, the girl, the the girl with that with those weird eyes. Yes, I can't remember her name. And oh, I should I like told her. everybody liked her. Yeah, a lot. I, well, I can't remember. Like, it, it I'll to be Google crazy. it. I've go, got to Google it, please, because we can't go through this segment without thinking we'll see, about we'll what that see girl's if, name uh, was. If I'll
1: Google girl with weird eyes and see what comes up.
0: What does Bran Stark repeatedly dream of? Dire wolves, A. B. A three-eyed raven. C. White walkers. Or D. Boobies, working legs, and someday opening his own medieval business, Bran's drive-in alehouse and brothel.
1: Uh, it's probably all of those things, but uh, he is the three-eyed raven, so I think that's probably where you're going.
0: The three-eyed raven. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. I had a, long, I had a hard time coming up with that last one. I at one point I said Brand's Brand Muffin Shop. Okay. Uh, <laughs> three-eyed dragons. Okay. Or, no, I'm sorry, three boob dragons. That's better. And but I do like his medieval business. Brand's drive-in alehouse and brothel. So what you would do is you would take like a cart in with your horse. Mm-hmm. You'd get your prostitute and mm-hmm. then you'd also get some ales and then you'd just be on your merry way they had one in uh, pennsylvania when my dad was in his 20s
1: okay i kind of like brands brands muffins yeah brands brand muffins yeah i think that
0: that has a ring to it <laughs> he's, he's a little cool. shit i'm sorry to swear so early into he the got, into the he show got unattractive and yeah unlikable. yeah he was a Older cute little age. kid Cure and kid. then he hit that Woo. puberty when i was he was supposed to start this show or the book when he was about seven and now he looks like he's about 20 or 21, and he's just awkward. A, he's, yeah, he's awkward. just all, all kinds of awkward. What was the name of Jon Snow's Dire Wolf? Is it A Ghost, B Nymeria? C Lady, or Sheila Buff, the Dire Wolf? Ooh, that would be a nice one,
1: but unfortunately, it is A. <laughs> I, absolutely correct. Why is it Ghost? Because it was the only albino wolf <laughs> of the four or five dire wolves. Oh. Yeah. And it was also the uh, runt of the litter, so, sort of how like Jon Snow is the bastard of the Stark litter. Uh-huh. So they had an affinity for one another. All right, right
0: on. Yeah. Um, where are Sansa Stark and Jon Snow finally reunited? A, Winterfell. B, King's Landing. C, Castle Black at the Wall. D, the Great Fort of Sasson Talk.
1: Uh, God, I feel like this could be a trick question, but i I'm 99% sure it's at Winterfell. Uh, it's
0: Castle Black at the wall.
1: Damn it. Is it?
0: Yes. And I'm saying yes, assured like that, because, because I you have seen it. the episode. I have not read the book, but I took this from Zoo.com, and that is the answer that they gave us.
1: Uh, Did we right. already Maybe just- I was
0: thinking of Ar- Aria when
1: Aria came back. She reunited with Sansa and Jon at Winterfell.
0: Yes, Bell. that's correct. Do you okay, remember? Maybe did that's what I was did we about. discuss Damn this it, on the app or did wrong. we discuss this in person where there was a uh, their conversation or when they were having that meeting and Sansa kept on second guessing everything Jon Snow was doing? And it was like, Sansa, you haven't made one right decision in seven years and you're going to give this guy crap? The guy that – and I'm waiting for Jon Snow to go, I've, I I'm, should be dead. Yeah. Well, like, her, our,
1: I think – I don't think we talked about it, but Arya kind of brought that up in the last episode, right? She's kind of like – Yeah. She, well, can she read
0: minds or can she Aria? just sense – I think she can
1: just creepily – talk about weird eyes. She's got some weird eyes too, and I think she can use those weird eyes to kind of creep people out. But I don't think she can read minds. I think she can I, just She's just people. really smart and she can read people. She can read people. And she can um, take
0: their faces, right? Like, yeah. the uh, like
1: yeah. uh, No, I am no what I am no one. I am nobody.
0: Who ordered Ned Stark to be beheaded, despite Ned's confession of treason and offer of fealty? Is it A. Joffrey Baratheon, B. Hoarder, C. Grey Worm, or D. Sean Bean's agent? That would be Joffrey. Did you know that in the books Ned Stark doesn't even die? That's like Sean Bean's agent was when he got. Cast as Ned, they're like, you got to rewrite this. Like, he cannot be in a role where he lives. Isn't that crazy? That's not true.
1: That's not even (laughs) true in my head, man.
0: Why? I don't even get where you're coming from. Joffrey Baratheon. Talk about a bad-looking kid. Didn't he get? I think he was in the in Batman Begins, wasn't he? Who? What are you talking about, Joffrey?
1: Oh, oh yeah, he's an unfortunate looking fella yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I think he pretty much has retired from acting though. Oh, is that right? Yeah, i He had. He's got to be a millionaire right now, right? Well, probably. Yeah, I, I don't know, but he probably made a decent chunk of change, that's for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think I read that. I think I read that he just retired from acting. He didn't want to do it anymore.
0: Well, it would be terrible to like play a role that like everybody absolutely hates you? He's got to be. Uh, I would even think that Cersei isn't as hated as much as he is anymore.
1: I'm kind um, of actually
0: root. We'll get to that.
1: We'll get to. Yeah, who I'm Cersei for. kind of has a you. You cannot help but start
0: to root for Cersei at at some point, and I think we're probably
1: we're pretty much there.
0: Who said this memorable line? First lesson: stick them with the pointy end. Was it a Jon Snow, b Tyrion Lannister, c Joffrey Baratheon, or d Tony Bologna after a few glasses of Disaronno? Stick them with the pointy end. Whew. I guess Jon Snow. Ooh, trick question. Both A and D. You guys both said it. Tony, that's gross. <laughs> All right. I, I'm picking up, up what you're putting down. Quick discussion before we move on. Natalie Dormer. First. Yes, 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 yes. She's, she's got those lips. She's got that the same exact expression for five straight seasons. She is one
1: of those... Ladies, one of those famous ladies who I feel like walking down the street. And she wasn't a famous actress; you probably wouldn't look at yeah. her twice. But she's benefiting immensely we're, from the fact that she's famous. We're we hot, but I, there's something about her that is uh, her her looks
0: don't hold up in the real world. Yeah, but, but she's striking. Put you know put a put a bunch of medieval outfits on her, and all of a sudden, yeah, blah, she's, blah, blah, she's blah, the ruin. hottest
1: chick at the uh, Renaissance fair. Quick Every discussion
0: time. before we move on. Yeah, who do you want to sit on the Iron Throne now? Please, like, try to avoid spoilers, because I know that you follow this really well. You read a lot. You probably already have a good idea. I, just based on the show, not even based on the yeah, books. Based I can on only the show. really
1: go on the books, because at this point,
0: those books have been out for a long time. 96 was
1: the first one. And what's his name? George R.R. R. Martin doesn't seem like he's getting any closer to the finish line with the most upcoming book. So I, at this point, am basing all, most of my knowledge off of the movie. I... Um, Or the show, I'm sorry. Can I interrupt
0: you real quick? Yeah. I went to a comic convention in uh, Chicago maybe seven or eight years ago. And this was – Nerd. No, no. Yeah, this was eight years ago because it was maybe six months before the show had started. And I'd never heard of the books. And my one buddy was like, hey, I want to go see George R.R. Martin speak. I will pay for your way to get in if you go with me. And I was like, all right, that's fine. He sat down and read a chapter from his new book. And I looked around and I was like, what the – is going on here (laughs) like i was so confused and everybody was so enamored and i remember he was like he was hey remember he said you know the show is going to be coming on hbo just pay for hbo don't be an asshole and pirate it and i remember he said that i'm doing that (laughs) (laughs) sorry who's gonna sit on the iron throne
1: uh man you know uh i who do you want to sit on the iron throne who do I want to sit on the Iron Throne? Probably Jon Snow. I love Jon Snow, but Daenerys. I and I at one point I definitely would have said Daenerys, but yeah. you can see her kind of, kind of becoming a little unhinged. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you're kind of alluding to she's kind yeah. of taking on some mad. Especially King tendencies. in that la-
0: yeah yeah especially in that last episode.
1: Whereas Jon Snow seems like a super pragmatic, um, morally uh, responsible, ethically just ruler. Because he doesn't really want to be a ruler, yeah. so I feel like he's got he's got the perfect disposition for it, whereas Daenerys has become so obsessed with it. You can see her uh, doing... I thought Jon Snow's um, comment in that last episode was, was a really good one, that she's got these dragons, and everybody thinks that they're so miraculous, so she could be a ruler to do something else miraculous. Don't use them to yeah. do the same old, same old, otherwise you become... You you just become like another else. another dictator, despot, yeah. ty- tyrannical ruler, and sure enough, that's exactly what she did. And then she had the dragon execute yeah. th- the guys too. That was Same. terrible. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think at this point you, you got to be rooting for Jon Snow to. Take I the I love
0: Jon Snow, but I feel like it's kind of that Frodo thing. I feel like he's already. Been murdered, and he came back to the dead, came back to life. Probably when he didn't want to be, when he was probably resting. Yeah. And I feel like he's going to see this through. I feel like he is going to survive the series and then die, and then just go off, oh. like maybe by himself, or maybe go to a, like a fictional Gray Haven setting. I don't see him being the ruler. Yeah. I think I, you're right. I don't think I, I guess I don't. Th- I love him. Like I would love, I would prefer him, I. Yeah. but it's almost like something where he would, he he would, would get sit it.
1: down on the throne and he would just be like, a,
0: <sighs> he'd give it to Sam. Yeah. Like he wouldn't want, he wouldn't, he wouldn't want, want that. Yeah. He only wants it because he's trying to save his family at this point. He's that he not the ruler.
1: He doesn't want to be the ruler. He's the ruler that they need. Yeah. Right. Kind of, but he doesn't want it.
0: I, I want to see, um, Daenerys dead. I want to oh. see. I want to see her dragons get killed in front of her, oh. and then I, 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 think that she is Khaleesi. The, I, Khaleesi. I think she is the Mad Ruler. I think that that's kind of what they're getting towards now, where she's got all this baggage on her, where she deserves it, and it's, she's got twelve names going on at once. And I really feel like at the end of the day. 10 years from now, she would be the mad ruler, especially with how they've been conveying her in the last couple of episodes too. I, she's yeah. just miscast too. What? Like no, I she's just not. She's, she is perfect. I don't, she's I just, uh, oh, I just think she's kind of awful. You're I, kind of, awful. I know, I know, I no. I know. I'm stuck. I, I'll be honest with you. I, w- I wish Arya would be the oh, winner. I do on. like her a lot, but I think it would be awesome to end the show with Cersei winning just because I think that it would be more realistic yep. to, inst- in, in, To end it like that. Yeah. And that's how war is. That's how battles are. That's not how stories are. The good guy
1: doesn't always win. The good guy doesn't always win. Playing dirty sometimes wins. And then maybe she gets killed and Jamie's the winner and boom. (laughs) That would be interesting. Or their their
0: offspring, their child.
1: Yes. Interesting.
0: All right. Do you want to move on to some video game news now that we've been talking about uh, Game of Thrones for 10 minutes? Sure. All right. Number one. Following complaints of rampant team killing, Friday the 13th the game is eliminating weapon use against teammates in public matches. In a preview for the next patch via Reddit, Gun Media detailed the change saying the shotgun, machete, and other assorted weapons will no longer have any effect on friendly players. While team killing was designed to promote life or death experiences in each and every game you play, it's become more of a battle royale royale scenario, according to the publisher. I think that's hilarious. You put a bunch of... That would be me. Yeah. I mean, that would be me. Yes, you put a bunch of dudes online that have random names and you say, hey, we need you to fulfill this one thing they're just going to go off and do you know here's what you're supposed to do is a
1: pretty surefire way to ensure that you're going to get the exact opposite result
0: well i remember when i first started playing online video games and and battlefield was one of them and i remember my teammates trolling me and i never i didn't wear headsets or anything like that but i was thinking to myself don't don't run your truck into me so that I fall into the yeah. river and then I have to spend 20 minutes trying to get out of said river it, and then I'm like I'm thinking to myself I'm like you're an idiot like you're playing against a 16 year old 15 year olds
1: no I'm 36 and, and if I played <laughs> online that's that's me I'm the one that you don't want to play with because I'll do everything in my power to ensure you have the most miserable experience we were, we were
0: talking about griefing like two weeks ago or yeah, something like I love that it. griefing <laughs> yeah, I love you it. know you know it, it is a rampant problem when there is a term for it yeah. griefing it's, that's that's the way i like to play uh from developer bay team and publisher bossa Studios surgeon simulator comes the new cat dating sim visual novel perfect date slow news day the game coming to pc and ios this winter has human players date talking cats while uncovering the mysteries of cat island perfect date is split into seven chapters where you assume the role of different research assistants while carrying out your very important research about the dark and mysterious Cat Island, you can romance felines and balance your stats. I think that game's gonna make a lot of money. I think they'll sell it for ten dollars. I think that you can go on date with cats. <laughs> Wait, you go on the date with the cat, or I, I you set so. up
1: your cat on a date with another cat?
0: No, the 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 trailer that I saw, it was it was. Tra- it was a dude and a cat sitting at a table having a nice romantic dinner. Wow. And I think I think it'll I mean the internet's based on cats. Okay. You know, like I guess. The, the internet revolves around cats. Cats I, and I, dating sites. I saw it and I was like, man, at a good price point, make that baby free and just make put it ads give it a dog it, and, and you're will, in. I will date cats.
1: Schnauzer uh, <laughs> Dater. Let's get a game for Schnauzer dater. I, I
0: wanna boost my stats too. Yeah. Like I wanna be really good at dating cats and saying the right things. <laughs> Coming soon, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen is coming to the PlayStation 4, Xbox One on October 3rd. Capcom announced today. The PS4 and Xbox One port of Capcom's action RPG comes with the original Dragon's Dogma. Whoa, try that again. It comes with the original Dragon's Dogma game along with all of the content from its expansion. Did you Dark- ever play that? No, I didn't. Hmm. And the only reason I even put it on the news was uh, Capcom doesn't you know, they don't get out of their comfort zone. And I think this game came out six or seven years ago, and it came out with, like, sevens and eights, and they said it was really good, and just nobody played it. I played it. Oh, did you? I
1: did. Oh, how was it? It's cool. It's had some really cool, interesting ideas in there where you you create – so I think their big hook, the thing that made it unique was you obviously create your own um, character, right, and you can – you have so much control over everything, not beyond just what they look like and whether or not they're, a, you know, a brawler or a magic user. But you can basically control how old they are and yeah. how tall they are. And then you can control. Uh, y- there's a um, uh, another uh, separate kind of universe where I don't I, mean, I don't know what the term is, but you can go out into this other universe and grab a um, a partner like a like a teammate from this other universe at and you can have i think upwards of i think it's 3 maybe i might be making that up between so 1 there, and 3 people like non play npc um, partners that you can go out into the universe and grab and they all look different and have different abilities and skills and that was kind of the the big hook was was the control you have over yourself and grabbing these other npcs to come help you so they're
0: npcs so it's not online right
1: i it probably is online too yeah but that's all I don't play I didn't play it online um and I was
0: about to say that Capcom doesn't really have much experience with RPGs but I'm almost positive Capcom is behind the Monster Hunter games which I have not played so uh but interesting um uh, I I didn't know you'd played that oh yeah Uh, Fallout 4 is getting a Game of the Year edition nearly two years after its release on September 26th for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Pricing for the Game of the Year edition has yet to be revealed, but it's confirmed to come with all the latest updates to Fallout 4, such as mod support, survival mode, and a few graphical enhancements. Uh, Fallout 3 I absolutely loved. I played... All of the DLC for it, which I never ever do for games, but I played the absolute hell out of Fallout Three. It was a great story. Um, you are very familiar with uh, Bethesda games. I
1: uh, don't know. I would say that, but, but okay. But you've
0: played. You've played. Um, you played Oblivion, correct? Yes. You, you did play Oblivion. Yes. And then you played um, Skyrim, correct? Yes. There was there was something that hap- There was something that hooked. Uh, Oblivion was the first one that I played. And the next one that I played after that was Fallout 3. And the, the thing that hooked me absolutely about those games was you could do anything. And by anything, I mean... You could kill any character that you wanted to. Didn't didn't matter big or small. There might be one or two that you couldn't kill. But I remember playing Fallout 3 and the DJ was talking crap about me. And I quick traveled back to DC, ran up to him while I was sleeping and shot him. And I didn't get in any trouble. The only thing that happened was the next next DJ got on and they were like, I'd watch out for that Wastelander because he killed the other DJ. You could do all of this wild freedom stuff. Yeah. in those games and now they're pulling back on that. Uh yep. Fallout 4 they very much did it on. Uh Skyrim they did it on. You couldn't kill everybody that you wanted to. Yep. Do you remember there are major part pl- uh, plot points in that cuz I think Skyrim was two sides. It was like the it was the rebels versus the the the, the whatever the, the government that was there. <laughs> I tried to kill both of them, you know? Yeah. And they absolutely wouldn't let you do that. And I feel like in Oblivion and in Fallout you could do that. There was yeah. a there was if a you part- go back even further
1: to Morrowind, yeah. You could literally kill anyone. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of glitches with I mean maybe not a lot, but there was definitely some glitches where because you could literally kill uh-huh. anybody, quest lines would get yeah. Jacked up
0: a lot. Yeah. But that game had total Total freedom, they and I love. Anyone. That's what hooked me about Oblivion, and that's why I'm really upset that they're they're kind of pulling back on that stuff because that was the reason that I liked it so much. Anyway, there's a there was a part in Fallout Three where you're going into this like vat where it's it's um, like VR, and as the as the helmet was going down, as I was like going into this section there was like three guards and i just shot all three of them yes and then i went into the section and i did the whole mission it was like 45 minutes long and then as i was coming back out of it all these guys are attacking me because i killed them an hour ago when i was going in so what i'm getting at is fallout 4 was an epic disappointment for me i loved fallout 3 i was so excited for fallout 4 fallout 4 came out it's The writing was still as sharp, but the graphics were bad. I remember taking yeah. pictures of how it looked on my Xbox and sending it to my buddies, and there were parts where it looked like kind of N64-ish. It was so earth-toned and so yeah. ugly, and it just – it's not the missions, it was just the, the freedom that they gave you, and Obliv- Oblivion was the one that just blew my mind, that uh-huh. I couldn't believe the freedom that I had and the things that I could do. Yeah. And then you start pulling that stuff away, and it just kind of feels like every other RPG.
1: Yeah, I can agree with you there. I feel, and I feel like uh, Fall- the last Fallout 2 just starts to feel compared to some of those other games you mentioned. Like, the world starts to feel – yes, it's post-apocalyptic, but it just starts to feel totally bland and lifeless and boring. Yeah. Like, there's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. And And the things that are going on are so scripted and uh it's so so minimal what's happening. It's like character walks from point A to point B and back to point A. And it just – felt so dead and lifeless and boring that, that that's where I lose interest.
0: And you know, I'd like to point out it's not like in those games, it's not like in Oblivion in Fallout 3 that I was running around and just killing people willy-nilly. It was just hilarious that if they pissed you off, you could do you could kill them. I remember just pushing like characters into the water and just watching them sink to the bottom. <laughs> Uh, Super Meat Boy is making the jump to Nintendo Switch. Team Meat announced the game is heading to the system on Twitter. Uh, Blitworks will handle the Super Meat Boy port for Nintendo Switch after previously working on versions for the Wii U PlayStation 4. I played the first ten levels of uh, Super Meat Boy. It will definitely work on Nintendo Switch because it's a game you, you play in in, in chunks. You're, you play a couple levels chunks. here and there. It's not a game that I want to sit in front of my console and play a whole bunch. Um, There is an excellent documentary that came out about seven years ago. It's called Indie Game. Um, I don't know if you ever saw it, but they made Indie Game 1 and 2, and they're both on Netflix. Definitely check it out. It is the story of Super Meat Boy creators, Um, and then there's a handful of other ones. It's also got – oh, drag. Super Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy, done. Uh, The Nintendo World Championship is officially returning this year. Nintendo World Field today. This will be the third Nintendo World Championships following the original 1990. What is the Nintendo World Championships? I'll I'll get to it. And the 2015 event E3, which included games like Splatoon and Super Mario Maker. Um, This year, the competition is uh, qualifiers will be held in various Best Buy stores across the United States this month and next. And the challenge is a Mario Kart 7 time trial on the 3DS. I mean, you get, you get excited about it. And I think Mario, face. Mario Kart 7 came out like four or five years ago why wouldn't they make it mario kart 8 no why wouldn't the they Switch? make which mario kart one because that's the best version because they so. i mean they're trying to sell games at Whoa, the end of the day right. they're they're trying to garner excitement for yeah now do yeah, you remember yeah. the the i don't do there's a fred savage movie from 1990 that is essentially a commercial for the Supermar- wiz. the, the wizard it's, no the, the wiz is it the wiz or the it's the wizard the Wiz.
1: The Wiz is Michael Jackson. uh <laughs> <laughs> Golden Yellow Brick Row. Yes, yes. Okay, you're right. You've been watching way too the many kid Wizard. movies.
0: The Wizard, I believe, is what it's called. Is the Fred Savage vehicle right. that is basically a commercial, a commercial for, for Super Mario Brothers and 3. the Power it's Glove. Awesome. Oh yeah, the Power Glove. Yeah, I had the Power Glove when I, I was a kid. Glove. It was. Did you really? Oh hell yeah! Oh my god! And I, mean, I would
1: just wear it around just for fun for funsies. This is,
0: this is when I explode with uh, just a big smile. We yeah. have to do a Super Power Glove episode. Did you ever play uh, Super Glove Ball? No. It was a Mattel game and it was like one of the only Super Glove Ball games that worked whatsoever cuz the, the 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 peripheral was so bad. Yeah. And uh Power Pad. Do you have a Power Pad? Uh my buddy did. I didn't have it. I had a Power Pad. Uh No Man's Sky Atlas Rise update is now live. Editions include 30 hours of new story content, uh, limited online co-op, improved galactic mapping, uh, variety and visual quality of planets has been improved. So this game came out uh, a year ago now. Uh, people played it for about one month straight and then it completely dropped off the face of the earth. This was the game that was... Dude, didn't they play it for
1: like uh three hours and then everybody's went ballistic about how yep. it was a total sham from what they were promised?
0: Well, yeah, and that, that was the problem too was I don't think it was the developers that were coming out and saying, these are the things that you can do. I think it was the marketing team and Sony that were saying you could do all this stuff. I think it was stuff. the developers too, though. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> So it's it's really interesting that they're still working on the game and then they put out this humongous update because the game went from 60 bucks to 30 bucks maybe within a month and they had to do a series of yep. apologies and say, you know. And like and and I think there was now that we're getting to it, I think that yeah. there was a big fight back and forth between Sony blaming the developers and then the developers blaming the marketing team and nobody was really like and the owning customer a, is just saying give me my it. money Yeah, back. and the customer's saying, give <laughs> me my money back. But if you if you've been interested in playing the game, I think you can still rent it at Redbox and now would be the time to play it. At this point, people just want to play it for free. I don't think anybody wants to pay any money for this because of what they ended up delivering, but it'd be interesting to see it now. I do. I, 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 I mean, kind of do would like, like to see I, it.
1: I always thought it was a very cool idea and I I followed it a little bit. When it was coming out, I thought it looked really cool, and I'd still like to
0: play it. You can now officially, like, meet up with another player in Yeah, space. that was one of the big things I that remember was is that, promise they, that they, they promised
1: that you could. And then I think I even saw on Reddit where two guys uh, – so the thing is, right, it's supposed to be this huge, expansive universe that has billions of planets, and conceivably there would be no way for two people – or very rare – that two people would be in the vicinity of one another to actually meet. But then two folks, two dudes were like actually pretty close to another and then spent the entire day trying to (laughs) get to each other's planet, (laughs) landed on the same planet, stood in the same spot, couldn't see each other. And it was like confirmed Uh developers
0: are full of malarkey. Full of beans. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft has teased an update that fundamentally changes the concept of Xbox achievements. Speaking to Windows Central, Xbox platform corporate vice president Mike Ybarra explained that his team is working towards a bigger, more meaningful change about somebody's gaming accomplishments in history as a gamer on Xbox. Uh, Achievements have been really big in the last, I would say it started, I think in the last console cycle, so back in 2006. I I might be very wrong on this, but I've never understood that. Like, I, I don't... People take a lot of pride in getting these achievements and getting gold and getting platinum and, like, really maximizing, like, everything you can get to. It's a carrot on a string for a video game, especially if you've beaten it and you want to, like, get everything. It's just – it's never appealed to me, so – I never once in my life
1: have I ever tried to get – I'm not the – despite being on this awesome podcast, I'm not the biggest video game dude in the world, and I – but I've never – Now you tell me. But I've never once – in my life tried to get an achievement yeah never yeah never once yeah it holds absolutely zero interest for me but people are some people are crazy about it that's all they do now i can i can
0: understand like a hundred percent like you know when when you start a game and it shows you how much of the game you've actually accomplished i can understand that kind of carrot on a string because it's right there in front of me but to actually have to like pull out of the game, look at my gamer profile to see what trophies are available and what yeah. I could still get. And some of them are random. It's like, you know, do so much, collect 100 coins in level two or something like that. Date so many cats. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, <laughs> gets, make love to 12 cats. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder where it ends with dating. The, you eventually got to break their heart, right? Because they're cats. I don't know. Or you could get married and live happily ever after. It's like I don't. the sword in the stone, where he turns into a little squirrel. The girl squirrel falls in love oh, with him, and sad. then he's got to yeah. break that girl's sad. that squirrel's heart. Yeah. I'm going to be breaking cats' hearts, just, soon. Left right. <laughs> just left and right, just left and right. <laughs> um, uh, it's not Half Life Three, Portal Three, or anything else ending with Three. But this week, uh, Valve announced its first full price game full game since releasing dota 2 in 2013 called artifact artifact differs from traditional board games in that it involves three boards while valve didn't share too many details about the game it appears to feature a number of elements from the studio's popular moba including creeps barack building and multi-lane strategy naturally a selection of characters from dota 2 will be featured as well i've never played dota but People have been anxiously awaiting the release of Half Life Three. I think Half Life Two came back out back in two thousand and five. It was excellent. The Orange Box came out in two thousand and eight. It was excellent too. People want Half Life. They, they want, want Portal three. They want it. They don't want a card game. Or at least that's what I'm thinking as an outsider looking in. Okay. You're you're not an, you're an insider, man. Yeah, I mean, I guess we did go to E3 We went to E3. We're insiders. Titanfall fans have much to look forward to as Respawn Entertainment has no plans to abandon its first-person shooter franchise anytime soon. Respawn CEO Vince Zampella went on to stress that Respawn is heavily invested in the Titanfall universe, saying there's content they're working on that hasn't been announced yet. We're working on more Titanfall. We're not announcing what is there yet, but there's a few other things in the works, he said. Uh, We've discussed Titanfall too many times. It is a game that... I probably am stuck at level 25 out of 50 levels. I'll play it for 10 minutes or so, and you know. then I'll kind of just turn it off. The first game was just so much better. And and now um, they're actually re-releasing. And what he's talking about is, and I'm taking a wild guess here, is... Okay. I think that they're going to be bringing a ton of the levels from the first Titanfall into Titanfall 2 because the levels in Titanfall 2 are just not that great. It's still one of the best, and I'm laughing as I'm saying it, but as of last year, it was the best first-person multiplayer shooter that was available. It was just fast and fun, but it just did not have the hooks that the first one had, and I really think that these, these things that he is promising, I think that they are just levels from the first one because they were so good okay um oh here we go last story hit me middle earth shadow of war do you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about okay middle earth shadow of war's expanded nemesis system will feature microtransactions and developer monolith has shed light on how they'll work according to the studio's official announcement players can purchase loot chests war chests, xp boosts and bundles through the market to strengthen their army. Boo. Within loot chests, players will find weapons and armor as well as XP boosts, which make Talion level up quicker. Uh, war chests contain new Orc followers that will help you strengthen your army as well as training orders, which let you you level up and customize your orcs. Bundles include a combination of loot chests, war chests, XP boosts together at a package deal. People are pissed off about seeing this because this is a first per. This is a Mainly a campaign driven game and there, there's a bunch of microtransactions. I won't ever buy them. A lot of people won't ever buy them, but people are just mad because they're there. Of course. And I don't underst I don't understand that thought process because Because I already bought your damn game, buddy. I know. I I, I understand that. I totally understand that. But This is very much the model that they use on like iOS games, but those games are free to play and then you can, you know, pay to win as you go. But I'm going to play the hell out of this game and I'm never going to buy these chests. So just do that. Just buy the game for 60 bucks. Yeah, but what if you can't? beat the game or get to yeah. some level because yeah. you
1: don't have the right loot and then it's I, a I cash don't think grab. That,
0: I don't think that that's going to be an issue. I but think, you don't know, Chunk. I, I don't, and that's why people are upset too. And mm. also, you know, there's things that are set in place that you are supposed to do at, to progress the game. So there's going to be people out there that have a little bit of extra folding money that are going to spend it on this and they're going to be missing major parts of the game because hey, maybe they didn't go out and kill that one Warchief or they didn't go out and kill that other Warchief because they were powerful enough to just get to the third or the fourth one. Did you play the first one? Uh, No,
1: I never played it, but I again like kind of followed it ah. i know what the nemesis system is and i think it's really cool you know
0: what's a drag is oh well, it wasn't on the it wasn't on the prior system so i would have oh yes it was but they took out the nemesis system so they took out like the biggest most fun thing about the game to yeah. strip it back for the 360 ps3 but it's an excellent game yeah. um it and i am very excited for the sequel and you know warner brothers isn't they're they're not, it's not like this is the first time that they've done this. They did tons and tons of microtransactions in Mortal Kombat X. And eh, never mind, I lie. I totally bought all Lying. the extra characters. So, But those weren't loot chests and stuff like that. They had some other things going on in there, like easy fatalities and some nonsense like that. But I'm excited for this game. I don't think – don't boycott this game because of the microtransactions. Or I'm, Do. I'm willing to believe that this isn't Monolith Studios that's doing this. I'm willing to believe that this is more Warner Brothers. Yeah, but if the, you don't like
1: these stupid microtransactions, your only option is to not buy the game, so that they think, oh, hey, maybe having microtransactions in games is a bad
0: idea. and yeah. the customers don't like it. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen though. I mean, they keep uh, every every single year people say, remember not to pre-order. Don't pre-order. Now people have stopped pre-ordering, but. Um, haven't stopped buying the game so you want you want to take a quick break i do all right we'll be back tony i don't know about you but i'm a pretty big music fan how about you bud nope so the good people at Moral Implications have made a product for me then. If, if, since <laughs> not you're not a me. music fan, no. they've made a product for me. Okay. What they've made, it's called the M.I.P.O.D. Now this stands for the Moral Implications Portable Online Music Device or the MyPod. Okay. Now, what the MyPod does is, it's an MP3 player that fits comfortably in your ear canal and is totally voice-activated. So it's always on you. You just push it in; okay. it's stuck there forever, and you're gonna you're gonna be able to play music whenever you want to. All you have to do is speak to the MyPod; it's gonna play the songs. Now, because the the MyPod is so small. And it is so portable that to fit into your ear canal, we can only fit three songs in. So what the good people at More Implications did is they did a survey of a million Americans. And they picked the most popular songs from the last 50 years. So get get ready for this list, man, because it's okay. going to blow your socks off. This will be off. the
1: only three songs that This is that the only
0: three songs. But it's the only three songs you're ever going to need. I... Absolutely love this thing, Tony. I got okay. it on right now. Like okay. some of the times you'll be talking, and I'll just start listening to my iPod. Songs include "The Monster Mash" by Bobby Pickett, everybody's favorite song. So you can "The be Monster dr- Mash." Monster <laughs> Mash. You That's dry. one of the songs. That's one of the songs. I mean, a million Americans can't be wrong, can they? They wouldn't fill out a wrong answer on purpose. Well no, so, that would be a right answer. I mean, I'll be dude, I'll be driving to work or I'll be or I'll be working outside in the backyard or I'll just no, be with won't. a loved one <laughs> yeah. and and just in the in my ear, not uh-huh. even in the back of my head. I can be they singing right mesh. along. I was working in the lab late one night uh-huh. when my eyes beheld an eerie sight <laughs> yeah. every my whole life you do just know gets that so song. much better. Yeah. for my monster from his lab began to rise and suddenly To my surprise, they did did the the match. And that – do you see how excited I am right now? (laughs) Because that is is how I feel every – oh, man, dude. You know one of my worst – the things that I hate the most is just every morning like getting up to this life and like being in the shower. (laughs) Before I wake up, before I've had my coffee and I'm just exhausted. I'm like, dude, it's 6 in the morning. Like I got to do this every single day. And then I'll go, my pod. Play Monster Mash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. And it is like six cups of coffee all at once. Just distilled in your brain. I love that song. I've heard it two million times through my MyPod, and I'm still a big humongous fan. Africa by Toto. You know this song. That's the second song. Africa by Toto. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna take me a lot to take me away from you Tony Yeah I am telling you I'll be at the video store mm-hmm. I will be at uh, They still have the video grocery stores? Grocery store I will be at I'll, I'll be in a A I'll, funeral I'll be at a meeting Like I was in today And I'll yeah. be like I'll be trying to like Pay attention it they're, like, rains they're like They're like Yes everywhere. And like the lady in front of me She'll be looking at all of us And she'll be saying This is how you get the person To say yes And mm-hmm. I'll think in my brain Just keep You know Gonna find a lot to dig. <laughs>
1: Things There's I nothing that a hundred paid. men could ever
0: do. Yeah. yeah. I bless the rains down in half. No, I, th- oh. I think
1: the first two are right on the money. That's so far and, you got
0: me. And that's – and. That's good because this is – you only have one more song to pick from. There's three? There's three. No songs. Like way. I said, the technology is – it's brand new. Yeah. So, you know, we're hitting the ground running. Yeah. Um, we want you to have music at all times. We want it to be voice activated. We want it to be in your ear canal. The third song, Everybody's 1990 Favorite by Crash Test Dummies. I remember that Once one. Once there was this kid God. who – Got into an accident and couldn't go
1: to school, but when he finally came back, his hair
0: and well, turn from black to bright white. <laughs> white. Yeah. I remember and, that one. That's I a, mean, dude, talk about just. Oh, every, put it in my brain yeah, right now. It, talk <laughs> about like every. I mean, you're making love to your wife. Yeah. You know, you're just. It's put on mm, 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 by Crash yeah. Desk Dummies. Like, <laughs> right. it is literally, literally yeah. and figuratively the soundtrack to my life. Yeah. It's Africa. Mm mm mm, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> The monster And the mash. other one. The monster man. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> that's it, all you it need. It can't be improved. You can't add more.
1: You're it's... usually not a good salesman, and usually the things that Moral Implications comes up with are just terrible ideas, but I think they knocked it out of the park with this one. Put that in my brain right now. I'm not even going to fight this one. Put it in my brain.
0: Now, listen, it has happened yeah. where you can't get it out. And it's stuck on repeat, and the volume is like. Who on cares? Full. That's perfect. But I know, I know, and people are That's pissed. That's not a and bug. Like, That's are you a kidding feature. me? I love these <laughs> That's a feature, buddy. You're welcome. I just, I just couldn't imagine, you know, like I'm stuck in a terrible meeting yeah. once. There there was, was this kid. man. <laughs> Ooh. 20 bucks. Yeah. You just go right to the, to the MyPod store. They'll yep. shove it in your ear canal. Oh, sounds and great. And it's voice activated. Yeah. Nineteen ninety nine. Get it from MoralImplications.com. Buy Oof, it right now. That's hot. Moral Implications. Moral Implications. Hello, and welcome back to the Afternoon Yap. Uh, Tony, I want to talk to you about a little game that I got right at the very beginning of my n64 days okay this is Turok uh released on March 4th 1997 I can still remember I had been following the game in magazines because they had a huge marketing push for it and the game was 79 99 it was either it was either 79 or 89 it was something astronomical wow. and I remember buying it from KB Toys at Mansfield Ohio from the mall yeah. uh one of the things that Tell is... Tell me
1: about how you felt purchasing that game. Uh, I out of felt the
0: store. like, holy shit, this is almost $100 for a video game. Yeah. And I felt like, I'm also 14, I don't have a job, yeah. but I could, I've still felt how much $100 probably was. Yeah. Because I was like, this You had some understanding
1: astring- of how hard your mom and dad worked mm-hmm. for that $100. And maybe a little guilt that yeah. you are spending it on a video game.
0: Yes. But not enough to stop you. This game was the first... First-person shooter on the N64. Mm. It was also... uh, I I believe it was the first third-party develop game uh, for the N64. This was right at the beginning. It was actually supposed to be close to a launch game, and they pushed it back to March of 1997. Turok is an action-adventure first-person shooter video game developed by Iguana Entertainment and published by Acclaim Entertainment for the Nintendo 64. So the story about this goes is acclaim was a big publisher in the early 90s mid 90s so they were the the guys that put out your nba jam ports they were the guys that released your mortal Kombat one uh arch rivals they did a bunch of the simpsons games so they were huge in the 16-bit era by the time that it got to uh the n64 they were really really struggling um, it's gonna be. They, I think that they lasted up until about 2010, no. um, but now they are now defunct. But as I'm telling the story, you're gonna kind of pick up on why this probably happened. Well, obviously, um, I'm
1: probably gonna go to sleep in two hours. Are you? Are you? A,
0: did you ever read the Turok comics? No. Okay, I guess that the Turok comics started sometime back in the 50s. Whoa. And really? yeah, and then what? A acc- claim bought. Valiant this this comic book publisher for 65 million dollars okay. in 1994 and they acquired developer Iguana Entertainment for 5 million and this was part of a strategy to be developing stuff in house uh and making more money by licensing their own characters and doing it through different tra- term uh different entertainment media so like I said at the time acclaim entertainment was in financial financial jeopardy um so they were really banking on Turok to be a success. I think that they gained they gained the rights in 1994. They started working on the game in 96 or so, and then it would launch a year later. Uh, development of Turok comm- commenced in 1996. While it's loosely based on the comic book, Iguana made the game more action-oriented. Uh, there is a ton of platforming in this game. Uh, for a first-person shooter, it really feels like an older first person shooter game so it's it's a lot like doom where there isn't much of a story Um, In early discussions about the project the developers decided that the typical side-scrolling wasn't going to work That was kind of played out at this point. This was 1996. We had already had uh, at least a decade of side-scrolling games Uh, Iguana considered a third-person perspective uh, similar to Super Mario 64 and similar to Tomb Raider, but they ultimately decided on this first-person shooter uh, Mm -hmm. Because of the technology they had at the time. So at the time when the N64 was coming out, it was actually Actually, a lot more powerful than home PCs were, so they could do all of this stuff on the N64 that they couldn't. Uh, and and all of it is terms that it would go way over my head. But like in terms of shadows, in terms of um, you don't know what a shadow is. Uh, I'm I'm I, I'm, it's when I don't light. have the lines in front of me, so yeah. I'm I'm trying to name off some things that I don't know. Shadows, but it was a graphically impressive game, and I remember that was one of the things that really drew me to the game. Now you look at the game right now, it's a lot of earth tones, so it doesn't shine out like shine out. It doesn't stand out the way like Mario 64 does. Sure. Graphics don't look as timeless just because of this kind of, but back then in 1997, these graphics were absolutely unbelievable. The story is the story revolves around Tau set, which he is like the Turok, I guess. Every generation or so... It's a title, Turok? Like yeah. Okay. The, the game is... Yes. So it's a title given to somebody as they are like the person that has to defend uh, basically existence. There's... From uh, a whole dinosaur. Yes. There, so Turok is a warrior of Saquan descent on his quest to stop the campaigner, an evil overlord who seeks an each ancient alien weapon known as the chrono-scepter. Well, guess what? Oh, what? He's... Sock gonna win <laughs> a weapon so powerful that it was broken into eight separate pieces and scattered to distant corners of the lost land in order to prevent it from falling into the wrong hands. Um, the level starts out with, or the game starts out with the hub ruins. So essentially the way that this game folds out is you begin at the hub ruins. They're located on sacred grounds and they're littered with ancient structures such as statues, pillars, Buildings, but the jungle is what covers most of the land and in the middle of it are these is this hub where you have access to every single level and the, the first level that you'll go to you will collect a series of keys Some of the keys will be for level two some of the keys will be for level three And so what you can do is as you access different levels It's still linear, but it makes it feel a little bit less linear because you're gonna go through the levels collecting keys now it sounds kind of tedious, and that's because it is. Um, At the very beginning of it, um, the keys are pretty much right out there in front of you, but eventually as you're getting uh, deeper into the game, uh, there's going to be parts where the keys aren't as out in the open as they were before. Um, But this was also one of the first games that had to utilize the memory card. I don't remember if you had a memory card for your N64, but... You didn't save the game on the game pack. You actually saved it on a separately bought memory card that I think was twenty bucks. I still have my original memory card, which has a Shadows of the Empire sticker on it. Okay, but I remember when I got this game, I went on vacation with my parents, my family, and I couldn't save the game because I didn't have the game pack. So you brought your video game? Console oh hell on yeah, man! Man, every family vacation it oh was N sixty four, PlayStation one. Dreamcast, I remember. God still bless bring- your
1: parents, because as
0: a parent myself, no, you cannot bring your video games on vacation, you little so and so. Well, they had three- it's a family vacation. It is a family vacation, but they had three boys at that time. God bless. And someone. you know, and it's I would spend most of the day outside on the beach, but boy, those hours sitting in front of that little TV—those are the memories. Those are the memories <laughs> yeah, that I was building. Right. But like I said, I, I got this game, and I didn't have a memory pack at the time. So I remember I would have to like play very, very far into it, and as soon as it was time to turn the game off, I would have to start over. Eventually, I did get a memory pack, and that wouldn't be a problem, but that is one of the earliest memories that, that I had of this game is frustration because I did not have the memory pack. Okay. Stage 2 is the jungle. The jungle takes place within an actual jungle. Little has changed from the previous level hub ruins. It contains all types of floral... Flora, such as large hanging vines, shrubs, and gigantic deciduous trees and palm trees that cover most of the jungle. There's ancient ruins scattered about and a small poacher's encampment established along the shore of the river. There's underwater caves. Uh, One of the things that I love about this game is this is a Nintendo game that Nintendo really didn't have much say in during the development of it they kind of the claim would go to nintendo and they'd be they'd say is this okay is this okay and nintendo basically said we don't care the game i believe is rated pg-13 or m or what it, it is definitely one of the more adult ratings okay. because if you're watching the game when you kill people it is violent it's and you bloody. and now when you kill <laughs> it's so funny because when you kill people Blood shoots everywhere, there's a there's a scene where you can shoot them in the neck and spurts of blood go out of their neck. But when you shoot like an animal, there's animals running around like monkeys and warthogs and stuff like that. They kind of just explode. So what's more dispensable to the Turok people? Is it the living people or is it the animals? Uh, Excellent. There's excellent soundtrack going on in this game, but there's only about five different songs that are involved. Most of it's your typical banging on drums, but in the background, you can hear uh, T-Rexes, birds, panthers. You can hear the uh, the giant animals called Perlin, which are like these huge apes that kind of follow you around. Stage three is the ancient city. This is a valley surrounded by huge walls and mountains. It's a variety of buildings and temples are shown in the area and are arranged in multiple sections the site has multiple types of plants um, The atmosphere in this part of the lost Lands is changed into what seems to be a desert like environment so an interesting thing about this game is it was really pushing the limits of the the uh, N64 at the time. And actually, they had to compress a bunch of the memory to the game to in order to fit, I think it, the cartridge only fit 8 megabytes. Isn't that hard to think about back in 1997? 8 yeah. megabytes. I mean, that's how much the MyPod covers. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so they, they used a trick in order to, uh, so not only did they uh, scale down some of the, some of the assets of the game but they use this trick that you might be able to see in the game whereas the game is densely covered in thick fog and that is because the n64 wasn't powerful enough to have a far draw distance so you can only see about 50 feet in front of you and it's 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 actually a pretty clever trick because these maps are really really big there's some verticality in them there's tons and i mean tons of jumping tons of platforming in this game and uh, that's what kind of makes it so special uh stage four is the ruins the ruins are a series of ruins that are situated um they're situated in an area that is surrounded by mountains and a large amount of vegetation and is covered by ancient structures such as statues, pillars, and buildings. The, va- the valley is covered by a large amount of vegetation ranging from enormous trees with large vines hanging from them, tropical trees, shrubs with a variety of textures, and palm trees. Um, so the first boss that you are going to run into in this game, there's a, there's a total of four bosses. Uh, the first boss that you're gonna run into is the long hunter and this dude jumps out he taunts you he's got like this ponytail on he it takes place in an area where you are greeted by humvees so sh- first the long hunter talks trash about you and then this wait a second go ahead
1: what the hell are you talking about yeah rock the dinosaur hunter this uh, vaguely uh, Native American dude yeah uh, is defending the world against dinosaurs, but there's modern day guys driving around in Humvees too.
0: So it's it. The game takes place in the Lost Land, so it it captures everything. It caught. There's aliens in the game. There are robots in the game. There so is are. This, pre- is this like a uh, uh, a land that has been isolated? I guess so. It's okay. just called the Lost Land, and time doesn't really matter there. So okay. he faces. All kinds of enemies. I believe that all the humans that you face are um, uh, 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 the, the campaigners' men. But then there's also indigenous people there that are dressed up with this, like, skull makeup and stuff. But the first boss that you fight are these Humvees in yeah. this massive arena. And the Humvees drive around. They're armed with machine gun and rocket, po- uh, rocket pods. All you got to do is the same – thing that you do to every boss in this game is it's, it's basically these the big arena bosses. And so you just basically have to run backwards or uh, and run around the arena looking for ammo. Now that we're talking about the controls, I would like to point out that this game is a, uh, a 3D first-person shooter. However, they are using the that the Trident control of the N64. So going back to these controls are super bizarre because you look around with the little bottom joystick and then you move forward back and you strafe left and right with the 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 c buttons you know the yellow buttons yeah that sounds annoying so it's super bizarre to come back to now i remember being able to play this game very very well when i was a kid but if you fire this game up and you try to play that control scheme it's very confusing now i played it Several hours this week and the second and the third times I was really starting to get the the hang of it But another confusing thing is is the uh, the the looking up and looking down is flight control based So, you know up is down and down is up and I tried to go into the options To switch that and you can't switch that so that was something that was super super jarring to me Um, but so you take out two Humvees Uh, And then after both Humvees have been taken care of, the long hunter will come after the player. Uh, Thus, the player must try to stay as far away from him as possible to have a better chance of avoiding the boomerang-like projectiles he throws at you. It's preferred that the player switches between the shotgun and tech arrows at this range to take care of him. There's awesome awesome weapons in this game it is very much like doom so you're gonna have a knife you're gonna have a pistol which is basically useless but then you get a shotgun you get an automatic shotgun you get a tech bow you get something that is akin of the bfg 5000 which is essentially it just shoots this huge nuclear weapon and there's a big oh my god and a big explosion there's a plasma rifle one of my favorite weapons in the game that i will use constantly is there's a grenade launcher and if you shoot it at a human and you hit them in the foot they'll scream and they'll explode and the <laughs> physics in this game wait hope, only the foot yeah you can shoot them anywhere but i think i think the closer to the feet will have the most comical <laughs> and it, it, the, the ragdoll physics in this game are absolutely hilarious the the, the The fact that they were able to release this game um, with this kind of blood and violence is actually pretty shocking. But I guess at this point, uh, they had already released Mortal Kombat 2 on Super Nintendo, which was way more violent. All butts are off. Yeah. Uh, the next stage is stage five, the catacombs. Uh, the catacombs are notably of Meso-American architectural design. Look at you. you large blocks the hell of, out of stone. That. Oh, yeah. Stone lining the walls and ancient architecture covering them. So this game is hard to describe. Well, it like, sounds
1: like it's it's like history. You're learning. So that's you a good thing. You are learning a bunch. <laughs> that is accurate. Bucks. But this yeah.
0: is very much in the vein of Doom. Uh, very, there's no story. There's no cutscenes, and there are not even objectives other than go into a level, collect all the keys, kill everything, and stay alive. There's yeah. nothing other than that. So, like, I when I was coming back to this game, I could I could beat this game. I I could beat it in one sitting when I was a kid, and I loved it. I played the absolute hell out of it. But coming back to it, it was it's hard for it to be memorable because you just kind of go, <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's no there's no Mission objectives during the, during the course of the game. Okay. Um, Fair enough. The boss that you fight in this level is the Mantis. So there's four bosses in this game, and they're all pretty awesome. Uh, this, be, this boss appears as a massive, oversized insect. When you walk up to him, it's still frozen in like concrete. But then when you walk up to him, it explodes out of the concrete. And the, ma- the massive Mantis, it spits this stuff at you. You have to, just like every boss in the game, you have to run around the arena... And collect as much ammo as you possibly can by avoiding his, his, his attacks. He shoots like slime at you. He he, he he goes after you with his pincers. And after you keep on hitting him, and hitting him and hitting him, he'll eventually knock down more barriers of the arena so you have more room to walk around. But he gets faster. Uh, the insect's eyes are massive and deep blazing red. Um Ooh. For this stage, use the particle accelerator at full charge since the mantis will try to engage the player in close quarters. Uh, Once the mantis has had enough, it will glow and then destroy several walls. Keep using the particle accelerator until the mantis is finally defeated. Stage six is the treetop village. This is actually now we're starting to get into some of the interesting levels of this game. Unfortunately, like there's only two left. Yeah, unfortunately, the first like five levels are essentially jungle. There's like I said, there's tons of platforming. There's some caverns that you look at. There's some neat ancient ruins. It's really cool what they did with the lighting. It's interesting the way that they use the fog. I mean, there's that there's you're looking at them right now. There's waterfalls. The the water looks interesting. It's still kind of that flat N64 look, but at the time in 1997. This was actually pushing the limits of video game technology and looked better than what a PC would. Okay. Uh, the treetop village is a settlement located on the highest part of a canyon, surrounded by mountains and a colossal trees coated with large crowns of leaves. So you're in this massive treetop village, and they, they, it's actually a good use of the fog because it looks like you are miles up in the sky. The level is absolutely huge. There's a in-game map that you can use in this game in order to keep yourself from getting lost. But there's you're basically fighting all of these like indigenous people, like I said. There's all kinds of crazy jumps that you can do in this level. But most for the most part, you're just running around this huge uh, sky top level. Uh, stage 7 is the Lost Land. Uh, this region is a... A wasteland located somewhere in the most inhospitable part of the Lost Land. Uh, the desert-like environment is rocky, and its landscape is covered with red sand and hazardous pools of lava and creators and craters releasing gases. So we're near the end of the game. Like I said, there is there's there's a there's some variety to the game, but for the most part, you are just two rock running through this huge jungle. And the last stage is the final confrontation, stage eight. Uh, so the last level is one of the most interesting levels in the game. It uh-huh. is uh, located somewhere in the wasteland is this immense, huge fortress. Uh, this is a fortress that obviously bel- belongs to like an advanced alien race because okay. there's all kinds of really cool technology in it. There's these like elevators that are in this level that bounce you from up to down, which is totally taken from... Uh, I can't remember. Is that Quakers unreal tournament, but they, they, they definitely took a lot of inspiration from quake in this game. They definitely took a lot of inspiration from unreal tournament because this is the level where <clears throat> they're basically, you walk into these big arenas and you fight uh, these big robot enemies. And it's basically you just keep on doing that until you keep on pushing more forward, more forward. Um, and then eventually you get to the last two bosses, which are totally awesome. Boss, uh, the penultimate boss is Thunder. And he's uh, got Camp Pain's, the campaigner's Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, he's been transformed into a Bionosaur with fire breath and a laser eye. Reminds me of, did you have <clears throat> did you have the toys Dino Riders as a kid by chance? no oh my god they were so killer they were dinosaurs that uh like uh, man had tamed and they have all kinds of like artillery on them so there's all kinds of awesome dinosaurs in this game one of the one of the coolest enemies in this are velociraptors there are velociraptors that are armed with uh, like headgear uh, not you know, teeth headgears head gear. but they're like turned into bionosaurs okay. so they're made into like super velociraptors but this is 1997 this is only four years after Jurassic Park and these are totally the raptors from Jurassic Park they look cool they're in a 3D space they're in an N64 game but you're going to fight this huge T-Rex and he chases you around with fire breath and a laser eye uh, the-, the trick to beating this boss is you're in a huge arena again and there are these catwalks on all sides and what you have to do is to you have to avoid his hits because like one or two of his bites will kill you really fast yeah well so with if that you headgear. get on if you get on these catwalks you can avoid his bites you can you can level up on ammo and this boss is super hard he is a bullet sponge but just keep on hitting him. After the other. The real cool thing is seeing a big Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, we had seen a T Rex, I think, in uh, Tomb Raider, like a couple years before. We talked about it on the show, or
1: you and Ding are talking about it. But it looked
0: really, really cool on the N64. Uh, So he is the penultimate boss, and then the last thing that you do in the game is you head along this path of dead humans hanging upside down that's totally taken from Doom. Yeah. And skulls on the ground, and then you meet the campaigner. The boss is armed with a club and a shield at first, which he'll charge the player. That's the worst name. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It seems like he's running for something. Yeah, it sounds like he's running for uh, state senate. Or like he is the end boss of a campaign. So he is the campaigner. Yeah. I'm so, Assemblyman Turok. You can only use specific weapons on him. You can't use the, the big weapons on him because if you try to use uh, some of the more powerful weapons on him, he will take them from you, literally yes, take them from you, and he'll hit you with this huge blue blast. sound like
1: a politician.
0: <laughs> Political humor. <laughs> but all he does is charges you, hits you. He's got this huge, huge health pool. So despite every weapon in the game – Being given in the quarter leading up to the battle the player should resist the temptation to use the quad rocket launcher particle accelerator or fusion campaign or fusion cannon because he will take them from you. Uh, uh, Lastly to take fewer hits from the campaigner the player must be constantly moving remaining stationary will only put themselves in dangers as the campaigner takes away any opportunity to strike. You hit your last hit on the campaigner uh, he says oh no he kneels over he explodes you jump out of his fortress. And that's the credits. And Sounds like, it's like a campaign I a pain
1: in the ass.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's... Get it? I played so much of this game when I was a kid, and coming back to it, it was such a shock because it is so much different than what I remember. But when I was playing it this week, I remembered the things that I did love about this game. I love the weapon variety. I love the dinosaurs that are in it, and I love the blood and the gore. And actually, you're looking at it right now, the platforming isn't all that bad. It's an interesting aspect of it, but there's a reason why there isn't too much uh, uh, platforming in first-person shooter games. And now that I'm thinking about it, the new Doom reboot, that came out a year ago, there was a ton of platforming. Uh I give this game an eight, uh, but Solid. probably deserves a nice seven. I think I give it an eight because of I grew up playing it. I fell in love with it Some when it feels
1: a nostalgia kick. So the big problem point. the
0: big problem with this is this is an awesome idea for a video game. It's an awesome idea for a comic. It's an awesome idea for a movie. They had several. Well, there's Se- been
1: like a billion video games, <laughs> haven't there?
0: There was uh Turok 2, which came out a year later. Um, I got that for Christmas and I just didn't like it all that much. Uh, it, it it changed a lot of the core principles of the first game where it's not much in the jungle. There's not many dinosaurs. The levels are way bigger. And I remember being very frustrated with the save points in it. And then after that, they would put out Turok rage, which was a multiplayer only game on the N64, which was really crazy. That was one of the things that, you know, when this when the first one came out, there was no multiplayer on it, so they were be, they were sure to include multiplayer on Turok Two. And I remember, uh, I had a lot of fun with the multiplayer. I would play it with my one buddy all the time, and it was pretty interesting because there was a lot of swimming levels in the Turok Two multiplayer. But then Rage, when it came out, I didn't even play it. And then shortly after that, there was a uh, Turok Three came out on the N sixty four. I think around two thousand. And the story had completely changed at that point. Now you're fighting mostly space aliens. It's not in the – I think it took place in a city. <laughs> it, it alienated a lot of people. And I Alienated? Alienated. I, d- I don't know why I didn't play it. I think at that point I had actually kind of moved on from the N64. I think at this point I was playing my Dreamcast and I wasn't playing as many N64 games. Uh, then in 2002, there'd be another one called Evolution. I bought that when I got my GameCube, and it was not good at all. Okay. Uh, and then 2008 was just Turok, and I bought that like an idiot. Uh, and I couldn't even get past the first level. So what I'm getting at was this game was actually really, really good. And they, in my mind, they could never live up to it, and this game did desperately deserves a reboot it deserves a gritty reboot it'd be fun to fight dinosaurs like the, the weapon variety is excellent it needs but as i say that this yeah. game just got recently re-released on pc uh in 2015 you can buy an hd upgraded version of it and people really really like it and people do speed runs of it and they they applaud it Still to this day for um, the platforming in it, the challenge in it, and uh, for the graphics that it gave at the time. So uh, that's Turok. Uh, we'll take a quick break, um, and we'll be right back. Moral implications. Moral implications. Tony, I don't know about you, but uh, I think you can tell just by looking at me that mm-hmm. I'm a workaholic. Nope. I love to be at work, I, 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 I prepare for it, I mm-hmm. get ready for it. Yeah. Uh, one of my least favorite things about work in general is meetings. Or just going. Just going to work, but right. mostly being at meetings. You yeah. know. So I'm an active guy, I'm an on-the-go guy. You sit me down and you explain to me, hey, stocks are up, or hey, shares are down, all of a sudden, <laughs> man, I can't concentrate <laughs> I anymore. Same thing, but go ahead. And nobody, nobody can. Not everybody can afford the iPod at no. nineteen ninety nine. No. So some of the times you just need a break from this so called life we got going on. Okay. So the what do good, you do? The good people, and moral implications, mm-hmm. they understand that some of the times you need a sick day, and just like me, I'm terrible at faking sick. Yeah, I'm t- awful at, and I've only had to do it a couple of times, and it hasn't been in my professional career. But I can m- remember being a little kid and call it in and be like, "I'm real sick," and they're like, "Are you mm-hmm. sure?" And I'll be like, "No, I don't think I'm all that sick. I can yeah. come in or for and my we- like, for my it. for my wedding." Yeah. Yeah. They, they talked me out of it. Now yeah. I have to go to work because I am such a terrible liar. My wife will be like, are you lying? And I'll be like, I'm lying. And yeah. she'll... That's, I, I, that's, that's you are I'm a like, bad liar. Yeah, I'm a yeah, terrible, terrible liar. <laughs> that, is the, that is literally the worst way to lie. Yeah. Well, that's actually to, just being truthful. Yes. So... <laughs> The good people at applications they've made the day-off device. Now, what the day-off device is, it's, you know, those little ink bombs that you put on clothing or you put on – I think they also have it on, like, money packs. So if you steal it from someplace, you have to remove it, and Uh the ink bomb will shoot – ink all over your it'll ruin the clothes or it'll ruin the money and yeah. that way everybody else can see sure
1: sure everybody knows the ink bomb yeah what's moral implications take though this
0: is a device that has been full of the flu more importantly the swine flu so all you got to do the virus yes the virus so all you got to do is just make sure to open it up right in front of you make sure to have your mouth wide open uh-huh. boom it'll shoot some flu in your mouth You wait until the symptoms uh, start to catch hold, and then boom, you can call in sick. You don't even have to feel guilty because you are sick. You're not making this up. You got the flu, you don't have to go to that damn meeting you don't have to sit there and, hey johnson i really enjoyed that sales pr- pitch that you did and right. he goes oh thanks thomas right. yeah i worked really hard did you know that stocks are up you don't have to listen to any of that uh-huh. did you know that stocks are down did you know that sales are up and you you don't have right. to listen to any Gosh, of you know book- so much about business you, yes exactly i know like i said i'm a workaholic yeah but there are just some times where i don't want to listen to that stuff and uh-huh. i just want to be at home relaxing but and at the same
1: time, you're not a good enough liar. Yes,
0: of course. So and you
1: actually need to be sick. Yes,
0: I need. And I and look at me, dude. I'm healthy as a horse. I'm yeah. fit as a fiddle. Right. I never, I haven't had the flu in my entire life. So I need until Until this invention. Right. So it, the mail order, or, <laughs> so it is called the day off there device. It is. Boom. The day off device. Here's the thing that I'm concerned yeah. about, though. Uh,
1: I get how this could be useful for someone like you who, as you say, is just a workaholic, yep. but darn Dead. it, he just needs a day off yep. and he can't lie so he actually needs to be sick. My concern, however, is that you're kind of manufacturing not you moral implications sounds like they're manufacturing a delivery device
0: for like um, bio weapons, huh? right? But this is for getting out of work. This isn't for hurting right, people. Right, for you, for you, yes. for you. But I guess
1: what I'm saying is that if somebody wanted to put, say, anthrax yeah. in there, or bird flu, or something like that, then then c- couldn't couldn't they poison their entire
0: workforce, or the people at the park? Why you gotta do this to me?
1: I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sure there's some safeguards in place. And back, I want to reassure the people.
0: Backpedal, I mean, back, 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 just tell back me battle. what are the safeguards again? The safeguards again are, we won't sell it to those people. Oh, okay. Because this is this is only going to be sold in Walgreens and on our online store and in places where you're going to go for medicine, not places that anybody bad is. So like at the Minute Clinic, bad. it'll exactly. be sold at the Minute. Yes, clinic. exactly. Okay, well, I guess that's something what's it called again uh the day off device day off device yes and no no sickness or no no hey thomas can't you believe that sales are up yeah, you've covered just, this you are just you've covered this <laughs> You are your t- extensive
2: <laughs> you're sleeping
0: like a baby right you can you can you know you can gather your thoughts <laughs> what
1: else do they do at businesses chunk what else do they talk about
0: they say hey tonight we're gonna have uh Uh, A salad with chicken on it. And then after the chicken, we're all going to go out for beers and everybody's going to talk work to you. And you go, no, I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather rather inject myself. Yes, I'd rather inject myself. And you know what? Some of the times now I I get what you're saying. Some of the times you need to take your kids on vacation and kids can't take vacation. They're little workaholics, too. Bam, drop the day off device on them they're going to get the week off they're going to i mean they're going to have the flu but big deal you're just going to buy their the healing device which is another pod for 19.99 um you can buy one from the website right now love it Tony, for our last segment of the night, I want to review the new game by Ninja Theory called Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Um, Say that again. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Wow. So developed by Ninja Theory, they're the, the people that worked on the Devil May Cry reboot and Heavenly Sword. It is now 30 bucks okay. on PS4 and PC. It was worked on by a relatively small team at Ninja Theory. Um, they, they focus a lot more on story-driven games, and they haven't been around for very long. Um, the, the Devil May Cry reboot, um, it got some okay reception. And basically, this is their first game that I've ever played through all of the way. Just because of the reviews that I was seeing, um, there's been a lot of chatter about Game of the Year. There's Ooh. been a lot of chatter about how great and moving the story is. And they, this is coming from journalists that I really r- respect and admire, especially some of the dudes at, at giant bomb, but just people are really gushing over this game. Um, Senua's this story tells, or our Hellblade tells the story of Senua's journey deep into the underworld in search of her lost love, who was murdered by marauding Vikings and whose soul she hopes to save from their gods. This game is, heavily deals and it tackles a subject that game developers I don't think have ever really tackled uh, de- uh, tackles uh, mental illness Mostly psychosis huh. um, and, and in order to do this game They actually worked Really closely with a bunch of uh, Mental illness professionals As well as people that actually suffer From um, some of these ailments So it's so a hero Yes, so the hero of the game Is this 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 Nordic girl Named Senua. Okay. Uh, Senua And she hears voices And she sees things that aren't really there So during the course of the the game, you have these voices that talk to you. You have a, a handful of female voices. You have a, a, a scary uh, male voice that speaks to you. Now, a lot of the times they're kind of second guessing and doubting your decisions, telling you that you're a failure, that you're the problem, that you're the reason why people are suffering. And then some of the times, in kind of a gameplay mechanic, they're actually telling you what to do, they're telling you where to look, they're telling you that there's enemies behind you. Um, First and foremost, this game is the most beautiful game I've ever seen. Uh, It is an incredible presentation powered by the new Unreal Engine 4. Uh, So, Unreal Engine... this is their new engine, uh, part four, number four, numbered four. Uh, it's f- pretty much the first video game that I know of that I've played that uses this engine. I know that they've done a lot of tech demos with Unreal Engine 4, mm-hmm. but I've never played a full-fledged uh, game uh, based on, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, okay. There is no heads-up display. There is no tutorial. So Lovely. you just start this game. There are There's nothing. There's no health bars to look at. Okay. There's no ammo gauges to look at. You start this game as this woman, and she is on this basically sp- spiritual journey, but it also kind of looks like you don't really know where you're at. Y- you know that this looks unworldly, but you've got these voices that are talking to you. Um, it has... The best sound design that I've ever heard in a game, this is the first time I went out and bought headphones for this game because the, the first time that I was playing this game, I actually have a pretty good surround sound, but they they even said this game is best experienced in headphones. I was already waiting for something to, to kick me in the butt and say, you need headphones. This was it uh, because I enjoyed so much the first three hours that I had played with it, and then all the reviews that I had read said, you need to play this game with headphones. And when you play it with headphones mm-hmm. – it's this kind of they call it binaural sound where the voices kind of race around your head. Okay. And then there's also just incredible sound design where you're in this like really awful place. It's it basically it basically looks like a like a beach setting or a nordic setting, you know, by the water setting. Okay. Well, Sounds lovely. But it's all it's 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 always constantly like thundering and it's gray, so it, it, it so not so feels weird. like it feels like what you would think the underworld was or hell or uh, do, do you know what I'm, do you know I'm getting at? But I, hell I, is listening to you do a walkthrough of uh, Turo. Turok. Turok, <laughs> <laughs> that's my personal hell. Uh, the combat is so it's the combat is frustrating. Um, so there is combat. There no is there part, is combat. combat. So when I when I went into the game I pretty much figured it was going to be like a walking story. That's what I mm-hmm. thought that I was getting into. I thought that I was getting into a very story-driven game where you kind of just walk around and the, the events unfold in front of you. You've got this incredible presentation. You've got this incredible sound. But it turns out there is combat. You fight with a sword. Um, the control screen, the control scheme already bugged me. Uh, you, you run with L1 and you block with R1. Uh, oh. The problem is the combat is it's serviceable but it's super tedious. So you'll <laughs> run into an enemy and they are kind of bullet sponges and they'll take a while to come down. You there's there's also like the camera is fixed behind you and you cannot move the camera. So a lot of the times I'll be you'll be rolling and you'll get stuck on a certain spot. You can't roll out of it and you'll you'll have these cheap deaths mm-hmm. that feel like they aren't fair and especially because they don't tell you there's no tutorial whatsoever other than when you press start, it shows you what the button moves are. But it's basically up to you. It was I was hours into the game before I figured out that there was a parry move where if you block immediately before someone attacks you, you can parry them and, and have an opening to attack them. Okay. But there's also a melee. So if there's enemies in there that have shields that I would just pummel and pummel and pummel. And I didn't even know until my buddy told me. He's like, you have to kick them. Because they don't tell you anything. It's mm-hmm. it's extremely story driven, but they do not waste any time yeah, but trying dude, to tell there's you. There's
1: like six buttons yeah, to exactly, try
0: em? Exactly. So, you know, when combat's that limited, it would have been nice to say, hey, this is how you're going to play the game, as opposed to just kind of frustratingly learn it. Um, so, and it got to the point where the combat was, was like I would see an enemy approach and I would just kind of groan because it wasn't fun. I was having so much more fun. Finding out about the story of Senua and, and listening to the dialogue and seeing the presentation. And it, I got probably five or six hours into the game. You can have an easy combat, uh, medium or hard, and then there's auto. And auto is what I had it on. And auto, is it, it, it tailors to how well you play. So it basically is the, the setting, I would say, is, is pretty hard on auto. But if you die and die and die and die, the enemies get a little bit easier. Well, that's nice. Um, like I said, the game is getting rec- incredible reviews. Um, so I kept on waiting for this incredible story to pay off. Uh, the gameplay is, like I said, I felt like they came up with the story and they came up with the walking story force first, and then kind of had to do this, like we need to add gameplay elements to it. So you mm-hmm. you basically you walk you wander around from stage to stage. And you're putting together pieces of the stage by looking at them. You'll go up to a door and it'll show two letters. And so you'll have to kind of like walk around the stage looking for where these two letters would appear naturally in scenery. It's very much like the Riddler uh, trials from the Arkham City games. Okay. But they got rid of those because they weren't fun. So I would be spending a lot of time looking around for these letters and eventually it it felt to me like I was walking around and I didn't know what I was doing but then when I would walk to another area like it would be unlocked so that that gameplay aspect to me was really frustrating and by the end of the game like I I was I remember the last level I was like I just I don't want to be doing this part anymore another huge part of the game is the very first fight that you fight is Uh, You lose a fight, and it says, if you keep on losing, the darkness will keep on spreading. And if the darkness gets from your arm to your head, the game is over, and it will wipe your save. That's the only time that it ever texts you. So in the back of your head, you're thinking to yourself, if I die... I have to start this all over. So it's really stressful, (laughs) like really like, and not only, not only is that stressful, but the, the, just the atmosphere is it's, it's not a survival horror game, but you're horror, but you're, you are dealing with a girl that deals with mental illness and survival. You are essentially in her hell. You, I I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but you are in hell. And you are in this Nordic hell. And so it tells the story of Senua. She's, she's trying to find out. We we know that she's got mental illness. We know that her mom has mental illness. We know that this is back in the eighth century. Mm -hmm. And so people don't understand it much like they don't understand it now. She was shunned. She was blamed for a lot of things. So is this hell? Is it a real hell or is it her mental hell? We don't really know where she is by the Uh, game to find out. Well, hold on a second. Oh, Uh, like I said there are moments in this game that are absolutely gorgeous there's a part where she's at a beach that I walked up to the beach and I it honestly if it would have been in VR it was photorealistic I was like this is unbelievable like it's only available on PS4 it's only available on PC I really wish that I had a better TV because of how uh, beautiful the game looked the game couldn't be sold without the performances there's a ton of live action performances and motion capture performances. The main girl, Senua, is motion perform or motion capped. Mm-hmm. But they've also did this kind of neat thing where they film live action. And the characters that are speaking to you are kind of – you are looking at the live action recording of them. It's, did you ever see the old Lord of the Rings cartoon movies? They yeah. did that trick. They were terrible when they did that trick. And the, they, the, the animated ones. That yes, time the about? animated yeah. ones. And then they had live action that they kind of mixed into the animation – Huh. But they actually did a really good job with this. Now here's where things are going to get really puzzling. Okay. The story is an absolute 10. When I beat the game, I, 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 I all the reviews that I read was this this is going to stick with you. This is going to impact you. This is this is big for gaming. This is important. This is a milestone. This is this is a big thing. The story is an absolute 10. The presentation is a 10. The gameplay is about a 5. I I hated the combat to the point where I eventually put it on easy I hated the puzzles but I think that this game there's a good chance that it's already in my running for game of the year it's already the best. I don't know. It's not the best game that I've played this year, but it's in terms of story, in terms of presentation, and in terms of the way that this game grabbed me and didn't let me go. We're, we're in Senua's hell and we're learning about her story and the way that it deals with mental illness. My buddy, he is a director of, um, Oh shoot. He deals with a lot of mental illness and he's dealt with it his entire career. And I told him about this game. I was like, You know, mental illness is a is a taboo thing in in our society. And I was like, they tackled it in in this game and they really paid respect to it. And they, they were there's a video when you beat the game where they're they're interviewing people and they're saying this is what it's like. They're saying some of the times it's the happiest, most euphoric thing you've ever seen. And some of the times having these voices in your head and these visions is a living nightmare. And it's something they're like, you have to put it in the game. And so when the developers were making the game, they were saying, are we taking this too far? And the, the the professionals were saying, you you know, you're not taking it far enough. Um, Hmm. sounds like the, MyPod. Yeah. Uh, because of the crappy gameplay, I'm giving it an eight. However, I'm saying if you've got a PlayStation four and you love story driven games and you love presentation, the game's only 30 bucks and it's, Every, Wouldn't that be something if a thirty-dollar game
1: wins Game of the Year? That'd yeah. be cool, right?
0: Yeah, I mean it is essentially an indie game, and it's it's an eight to ten-hour game too, so it's not a four-hour game. It is every it feels like a sixty-dollar video game, and the, the video, uh, like when I was reading more and more about Ninja Theory, their whole business model is they want to kind of take back the double A space. You know, they want to make a game that is that. Um, that has all the production value of a triple a game, but Mm -hmm. with a smaller team with less money, they want to kind of recapture that space and the games that they had made before. I didn't, they're, they're nothing really that excited me all that much, but Mm. this game, I don't want to play it again. I don't want to play it anytime soon. The way that it made me feel the anxiety that it gave me the, the kind of the dread that it gave me, but it made me feel something and more so than a game has in the last year or so. So yes, I'm giving it at eight. I do think that it is a potential winner of Game of the Year. It's an important game. It is an absolutely beautiful game. And I, and that was a beautiful review. And I, dude, I, I just I, I, I think I the first time that I sat through, I played two hours of it and then I had to go to bed. And then on Saturday, I was up until two thirty finishing it i haven't been up until 2 30. you know what's (laughs) weird
1: is that you had all that time but you didn't read ready player one yet
0: weird oh because because i i I had two great games to play Mm. in the last week i had sundered Uh and then i had uh this game you're holding in your hand with that book the
1: best book you have ever read or will ever read because you don't like to read and it's right up your alley yeah and if you could just open up that just crack the cover for me buddy crack the cover. And next week we can talk. We about only
0: got it. a couple more weeks until like the summer doldrums are over, but the last two weeks in gaming have been great. I sundered sucked me in this game. Absolutely. But I'll finish with saying this. Okay. It's on PlayStation four and it's on PC. It's 30 bucks. Just buy it now like it, it it is worth the 30 bucks and it it was one of those the, the game made me feel the same way that um, BioShock Infinite made me feel when I finished it where the story is so deep and so heavy that I was watching videos and I was reading <laughs> and I was reading articles about the game and the story and how they developed it because it was just that interesting all right Tony, for our last segment, I want to talk about uh, South Park and simply because we are now at their 20 year anniversary for their first episode. Uh, South Park first aired on Comedy Central on August 13th of 1997. Today is August 14th. So 20 years ago and a day Um, flew by. And I remember when this show first aired, I taped uh, Cartman gets an anal probe on my VHS and I watched it over and over and over this It's somewhere. I think this is like my number three or four favorite TV show of all time. I have watched countless episodes. Number one, Simpsons. Simpsons. Uh, Number two, maybe it's Kids in the Hall.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: I'm a diehard Kids in the Hall fan. Number three is South Park. It's got to be one. Number four is uh, Reno Nine One One. Okay. Good. And then number five, I don't know. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) uh i want to top line my top five favorite episodes number five the death camp of tolerance love yes. this episode this has lemmy winks in it uh it was modeled after a i believe a hobbit episode when I mean, it's got that quote hang on lemmy winks you've solved the katater fish's riddle now your trials are nearly through okay uh number four is a ladder to heaven uh, it's an episode where uh kenny dies and they win a, a candy spree and they don't know where the ticket is and this There's a lot of episodes from season six in this top five because season six is, man, where I really feel that this series peaked. Okay. This has one of my absolute favorite jokes where they're building a ladder to heaven because they're trying to get to Kenny – And they're doing interviews with everybody around town and they're all crying because they're saying the the little guy, he's trying to build a ladder to heaven to see his friend. And they're all crying and they're going ladder to heaven, ladder to heaven. And then they show Mr. Garrison, he goes ladder to heaven. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number three, fat butt head and or fat, fat butt and pancake head. Uh, this is the the Jennifer Lopez episode, okay. and the Benifer episode, okay. and I I think it's hilarious that when this episode came out, I guess like people would see Jennifer Lopez on the street and they'd be doing the taco taco burrito burrito don't think i got a lot of money i'll give you taco flavored kisses honey (laughs) fulfilling all my wishes with my taco flavored kisses very nice uh uh, number three is red hot catholic love this is also from season six Mm -hmm. uh there's a hilarious part where they get all the catholics together and it's very much in the vein of South Park just like not random but just silly that the the first 10 or 8 seasons or 6 seasons of this show really capitalizes on very very silly humor so there's a bunch of catholics from around the world and then they show the galgamec catholics and their space aliens and they're saying that maybe we shouldn't be molesting boys maybe we should actually be sleeping with women and the galgamec leader goes the galgamec vagina is over three feet tall and filled with razor sharp spikes how the hell are we supposed to have sex with that okay and then uh is that all Five, yeah, and then my number one favorite episode has always been Mister Hankey's Christmas Classics. Okay, it's it's this. It's I. That is such a random one. It doesn't show up on any lists. But
1: no good times with weapons where they all become ninjas. I love that episode. There are
0: so many episodes to choose from. Okay, I mean Aspen, uh, 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 Cartman er, or Cartman Land. Scott Tenorman must die. Oh, that's a good Uh, one. uh, uh, What is it? Uh, Sexual harassment. Panda. You know, there's a great thing (laughs) about sexual harassment, Panda. That episode is so bizarre, and it was because those guys – were so wiped out from making the movie. And the studio was like, why don't you focus on the movie and not be doing the show at the same time? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, the show is what we do. So like, as they were making the movie, they were making episodes too. And one of them is one of the most bizarre episodes, of sexual harassment. How would you like a big band of bunch in your bus?
1: For all six listeners, run through just the names of those episodes
0: one time so they can go through the Chunks Anthology Top 5. A Ladder to Heaven from Season 6. Fat Butt and Pancake Head from Season 7, Red Hot Catholic Love from Season 6, uh, Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics, and uh, The Death Camp of Tolerance. I'm sorry, it was number five. So there you I, I kind of went to a weird fans. order. Hey there, Mr. Shinto, Merry Christmas. God is going to kick your ass, you infidelic pagan scum. <laughs> I love everything He's... about that Christmas episode. Watch them now. I, and I still you, watch you it. You too can be this I still, annoying. I still watch it every Christmas just to get myself in the spirit. Um, <laughs> I love to sing. Uh, so I want to end the show. We got our very first email. Do you want to hear it? Do we <gasps> no, it's not our very second, first email. Second. Our we second had, email. Our first email, first email was first saying that we need to review Contra. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Jasmine Sharmer. Hi. Is We're this a real one? Don't set me up. Is it real? It's real. Oh, so. This is absolutely real. I don't Came know. Came to the if I afternoon at okay. gmail.com. Hidden. Hi. We're dedicated to developing long term relationships with all of our clients. Uh. We help clients launch new websites, sell their products and services. Uh. And promote their brands online. Please let me know if there's any requirement of such services. We would be happy to assist you. Thanks in many regards, Jasmine from New Delhi, India. Now, I think what she's talking about is Hmm. that the the Sega Saturn was actually a pretty good underrated console. I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> I think she wants to bring the yap global. Yeah. Starting in India. There's billions of people Well, that's, in what, that's what I figured when I got the email. I was like, obviously, she heard the show. Yeah. Obviously, she We're can tell how talented we are. In We're huge in India. We're big in India. Huge. Real big in India. Yeah. She wants to hear the show. Yeah. Once. There was this kid who... Take it away, Tony. Got an email from India. So you can email us at afternoonyap at gmail.com. Keep singing. Mm -hmm. Or you can also Mm -hmm. follow us on Twitter Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. at afternoon Mm -hmm. underscore yap. Tony, that's it for our 38th episode, man. That was probably the best one yet. Yep. All right. See you later. See See you next week.